0: episode 15 of biohacking with Brittany. I'm so excited that you are here with me today in the beginning of September, new month, new season, I guess, coming up with the end of summer. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just happy that you are here joining me and ready to listen to this episode, which is so different from what I've put out so far. So on the podcast today, we have Elizabeth Clark, who specializes in medical astrology and basically takes her health expertise and education and combines it with the earth cycles and zodiac and all of the woo-woo things that are kind of a part of wellness and health, but in, in a very educational and scientific way. So she does take on clients if you're interested. She also puts out a lot of great information through her website and social media, which I'll definitely link in the show notes below. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a different episode, different type of, different type of episode. But um, it was really cool talking to her and just expanding what I know and realizing that there is actually so much more you can always learn and more to our health than what we see and what we feel. So let me know what you think of this episode. I'm happy to always provide different perspectives on biohacking and health. That's kind of the point of the show. So let me know if there's anyone you'd love me to reach out to. I'm always taking on new guests now. Yeah, and I'm I'm happy to just like meet new people. So let me know what you think. And thanks so much. So Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here, especially to talk about the woo-woo shit that I don't get to talk about it with a lot of people, and you are just so well-versed in it that I'm, I'm really stoked.
1: Well, thank you for having me, and I love talking about this. It's my favorite topic of all time, so I'm
0: happy to, to talk. Awesome. So if you could just dive straight into your history with the medical astrology that you do, your health history, and kind of just how you got to the point of where you are right now with your practice, your clients, and your health.
1: Yeah, sure. So I have been dealing with chronic illness, mystery illness for the past decade or so. And I had also, for about the past decade or so, been pursuing my education and credentials to be a nutritionist. And I've always been a student of astrology, but it's always been or always had been more of a hobby. And honestly, like it was a hobby that I didn't talk about in my professional sphere whatsoever because I didn't want to lose credibility as, you know, a health scientist or a clinician. So, over, you know, this past decade, I've tried pretty much everything under the sun to correct all of the mystery illness that was going on with me and on that journey I did my bachelor's in dietetics and chemistry. I did my masters in nutrition science. I did biomedical research for a year or two, and I did the dietetic internship, (laughs) and I had some experience in between there with prenatal and pediatric nutrition, and at some point I got really interested in epigenetics. And after a while, I started to kind of realize that this was the same language as astrology, and I hadn't really developed, you know, my, my idea about that fully until I had finished my master's. I had, you know, taken a, a proper epigenetics class and a couple of semesters of molecular biology and a couple of semesters of bioenergetics. And I could really understand like the, the basics of epigenetics, not just, you know, like the methylation pathway kind of mainstream. Skimming the surface of it. (laughs) And I eventually did heal my mystery illnesses using epigenetics and bioenergetics. And I focused mainly on PGC1 alpha, the self healing mechanism. Everybody has this gene and it produces a protein called PGC1 alpha and it controls your metabolism, you know, how you age, your blood sugar, your circadian rhythm all of the the good stuff that you know self healers and biohackers are really in pursuit of mastering so i had gone through this journey of healing myself and you know getting these credentials and understanding you know the science behind all of this and i was in my last rotation of the dietetic internship and i had gotten exposed to mold again which was really you know one of my big sort of kryptonites. And I had been exposed to it for about five weeks before I really got sick. And the turning point for when I got really sick was watching a documentary about people with invisible kind of mystery illness. And the psychological trauma that I had never dealt with from being a chronically ill person that nobody believed and, you know, your life is just falling apart... Came back up and it activated my susceptibility to illness. And so the last five weeks of the internship, I spent chronically ill again. So I went through the process and healed myself again and realized that I'm never going to be healed until I focus on my subconscious and all of the things that you don't learn how to do when you're trying to become a practitioner or a clinician or whatever. And the only way I knew how to really approach that was through astrology. So I really got into more of the sort of like biohacking my shadow and my subconsciousness with astrology, whereas before it had been kind of a hobby that I used for like you know compatibility with people and predicting things and, and that sort of thing, which eventually led to the realization that there's something called medical astrology. And I just learned everything I could. I practiced on my own natal chart. Then I practiced on some friends' natal charts. And I started realizing that not only is epigenetics and astrology kind of the same language and the same framework? But because I understood both, I could see certain epigenetic things in a natal chart. So I I started doing it with my clients and what I was able to find was stuff that I could quantify and then actually validate with their like 23andMe results and blood work and things that I had no knowledge of before looking at their natal chart. I could see these things and then confirm them in real time and then implement clinical interventions that actually worked based on (laughs) partly, you know, medical astrology. It's more of a screening tool than anything. Of course, you know, I don't diagnose people, but it, it has definitely been a crazy journey to get to this point. So now what I do is work with self-healers one-on-one. I also have a fully digital program, but for the most part, what I do is one-on-one, and then my self-healers also work through the digital program as well, and I'm just teaching them the eight evidence-based ways to activate your self-healing mechanism I'm teaching them how to, you know, biohack their shadow and their mindset. And I use esoteric herbalism. I teach them how to do self muscle testing and I'm basically giving them all of the science behind, you know, PGC1 alpha, all of the hard research, but then I'm teaching them practical ways to figure out how to take what's in the research and translate it
0: to what's going to work for them in real time on an individual basis. I love that. And I love that you combine conscious healing like through nutrition like what you studied with also subconscious healing because that sounds like the the sweet spot in your success. So, for those who are who just don't know like what is epigenetics, just taking a step back and what can we begin to do in order to activate that self-healing mechanism that you talk about.
1: Yeah, so probably the the definition of epigenetics that would resonate with people would be if you think about disease as part genetic and part environment, you you're basically getting the picture of epigenetics. So we're born with the DNA that we're going to have our whole lives. That doesn't really change. I mean it doesn't change (laughs) but we can determine which gene variants our body is using so let's say for one gene you have two different copies one copy is a variant that is associated with disease whereas the other copy of that gene is a, a wild type variant that's not associated with disease well, your environment is what will determine which one of those copies, basically, that you're using. So, your environment will either activate disease or it will turn off disease. And in the case of PGC one alpha, you are activating, you know, you know, better sleep and sort of reverse aging and all of these like really, really like prized characteristics for your health. And with PGC1 alpha in particular, you're really just doing a lot of things that biohackers already do, like fasting, intermittent fasting, or prolonged fasting. Ketosis actually activates PGC1 alpha. Infrared light does as well. So does thermogenesis. And there are targeted nutrients that we can use as well. And I focus on, I think, seven different ones, but there are certainly way more than seven, you know, things that you can supplement with that will activate PGC-1 alpha. There are just seven that have a lot of research and very few side effects.
0: Right. So, when it comes to medical astrology with your clients and teaching them about it and working through it, what are some of the trends that you see with your clients that comes up over and over again that seems to be something that maybe not everybody but a lot of people are currently dealing with?
1: Wow, that is a really good question. First I'll say what I don't see a lot of but expected to see a lot of. I expected to see a lot of rheumatism or, you know, autoimmune disease. And I don't actually see a lot of that. I would say probably the number one thing that I see, and there's usually other things with this as well, but I will see a susceptibility for mineral imbalance. And it can be something as extreme as you know susceptibility for heavy metal toxicity, or it could be something as common as a susceptibility for high copper to zinc
0: ratio. So for that type of imbalance, what would you see in their chart and what would you see as their symptoms or signs that come up?
1: The interesting thing about that is that just like with epigenetics, there are a lot of different combinations that will give the same effect. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I'll see a heavy Capricorn or a heavy Saturn influence. Capricorn is, and Saturn both, rule the skeletal system, more specifically the teeth and the knees. But what that's kind of what's taught traditionally in medical astrology. But what I came to realize is that all of my clients who have major mineral imbalance issues actually have very strong Capricorn energy in their chart. So they may not be a sun Capricorn, but they may have a stellium, which is four
0: or more planets in Capricorn. Interesting. So in terms of relating to the earth and the planets and the zodiacs, What what are the connections there between like say your natal chart and the cycles of the earth, like the moon and the water? Like I know you talk quite a bit about that. So I'm just trying to like connect us humans to kind of our cycles and even the feminine cycle that we go through every month with the earth cycle with medical astrology.
1: Yeah, it's basically the essence of quantum physics. (laughs) It is what Einstein described as spooky action at a distance. You know, the way that the planets are shaped and their relationship to each other in space, all of this is basically based on a nonlinear system, which creates harmonic resonance. So the harmonic resonance is kind of like if you were to put some sand on a drum and then play the drum the sand would kind of vibrate into a pattern and that's basically what is happening in the universe all the time it's it's just kind of how everything is created so whether you believe in you know whatever creation story or the Big Bang, it doesn't really matter. It, it is all kind of that same basic principle. So as, you know, the planets and the luminaries and everything is moving in the sky, because it is a nonlinear system, which means, you know, these patterns can be broken down into, you know, angles and ratios, but they're not... They're not really equal ratios, if that makes sense. Yeah. So because, yeah, sorry. Because of the way that all works out, we end up with something that can be translated to music. So it's geometry, but it's basically translated mathematically to the harmonic scale. And when we're looking at things in a natal chart, we're looking to see what is harmonious and what is not harmonious. And when we look at something like a trine or a sextile, if we turned that mathematical equation basically into the harmonic that it translated to, you would hear a very pleasant sound. Whereas with a square or an inconjunct or an opposition, it wouldn't sound as nice. And that's, that's really the basis for it. It, It's, it's trying to kind of quantify a sound that we actually can't hear as humans, but is
0: existing all of the time. Wow. It's pretty amazing how everything is so connected like that. And it's pretty mind-blowing when you have somebody like yourself describe it. And then you can kind of start to see these patterns and see these relationships that you might not have noticed before. So in terms of like, if a listener was curious about this and wanted to start to tap into these types of ideas and the subconscious for healing, like, where do they start, and like, what can they do today that is affordable and both and also like accessible to them in order to tap into this type of healing?
1: Gosh, I would say the easiest way to do it is to find an astrologer. <laughs> there aren't very many medical astrologers, and as far as I know, I'm the only medical astrologer that also has health. You know, science and clinical credentials. But you can also just learn, you know, the basics of astrology, or, and I'll tell you, this is like my favorite resource of all time you can YouTube what you don't know. And I guarantee there's a video on YouTube about whatever it is in your natal chart you're trying to figure out. So as long as you know some you know, basic terms and what you're actually looking at, because your natal chart is you know, just a bunch of symbols. So if you can decode what the symbols mean and you know, where they are in terms of their house placement in your natal chart, you can literally just type whatever you want into YouTube. You can type Pluto in Saturn in the 12th house. And you're going to find probably at least 10 different YouTube videos and 10 different articles online talking about whatever, you know, that astrologer's interpretation is of that. And once you read enough, you can kind of come up with your own idea about what it means. And, you know, some astrologers use more evidence-based techniques than others. You know, you can find astrologers that have been doing this for decades and have you know thousands of natal charts that they've actually compared and figured out you know for a fact this this occurs you know in people's charts who have this going on most of the time so yeah honestly google and youtube are really great resources for astrology you just have to to first figure out what you're looking at in your natal chart to be able to search it in actual words. And I I have one course that is intro to astrology that basically just teaches you that. Planets, houses, and the zodiac signs.
0: So for the natal chart, just backing up for a second, a lot of people don't know what that is. And including myself, I don't think I knew what that was until I met you. <laughs> so the natal chart is basically just taking where you were born at what time and what date and then figuring out where the planets were aligned during that time. Is that is that correct? Exactly. There are all kinds of software programs that can do this calculation for you, but
1: back when I first started learning astrology, that didn't really exist. I mean, I started when I was like a a child, you know, probably before I was 10 years old and that's kind of before computers were really a thing. And, you know, there was a, a mathematical equation that you did, but now there's software and it just basically gives you a geometric representation of what the sky looked like looked like on a 360 degree
0: wheel that's divided into 12 sections. Wow. So after this, I'm going to go do that <laughs> and look at all of my different alignments to see and understand my chart at the time of my birth because I, I actually haven't done that. So it's, that's very interesting. And I, I'm curious to see what it says. And just because it, it's another way of understanding yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think as a biohacker and like with the movement of biohacking and self-care and self-love and all these things, I think everyone is constantly looking for another way to heal and another way to almost like level up themselves and level up their health.
1: Yes. I agree with that so much. And, and I really always loved astrology because it was a way to quantify the human experience. And there I've just always felt like there were so many things I didn't understand about my nature and about other people's nature. And I could always look to astrology for an explanation. And it really takes a lot of the subjectivity out of it. You know, you stop looking at people as like, good or bad or mean or nice. It's just, you know, you're not interacting in a harmonious way with their frequency. And it doesn't necessarily mean that one of you is wrong and the other's right. You're not compatible on, you know, just a frequency level. And that's normal. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. It's okay. <laughs> <That's> totally fine. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to, to hear your opinion on monthly horoscopes sun because a criticism that I hear a lot of horoscopes is that most of the time they're so general that they can apply to anybody. And so therefore, you know, you read it in your newspaper or whatever online, or your, I guess like Instagram now, and you read it and you're like, oh, that's me. But like, really that could be 10 people. So what's your opinion on that? And like, is there any sort of real basis to what these people are saying? I mean, it's just a kitschy
1: kind of thing. You know, if you really think about it, everybody has representation of every single sign in their natal chart. Each, Each of the 12 houses is ruled by a constellation. And whatever constellation is ruling whatever house is determined by your time of birth. That's why time of birth is so important. So you have 30 degrees in each house and, you know, roughly 30 days in in each sign and so you know you may not be a sun sign sagittarius but the horoscopes are written for sun signs you know so even though you're not a sun sign sagittarius you might read the sagittarius horoscope and you're like oh my gosh that's so me well you you have something in Sagittarius. It's just not your sun sign. (laughs) So, you know, you can make it fit for sure. And, uh, you know, the signs all have, you know, various things in common too. So, I mean, it's not accurate to just go by your sun sign. And a lot of people don't even identify with the description of their sun sign because really your moon sign is what you would identify yourself as. So the sun sign is kind of, you know, the main sign that everyone talks about. Your moon sign is sort of your emotional nature, but it's also how you view yourself. And then your ascendant, which is the, you know, the last of the three sort of main signs that you have, your ascendant is how other people view you on first impression. So like I'm a Taurus ascendant and when people first meet me, they think that I'm kind of like reserved and shy and down to earth. But my moon sign is Pisces, which is like totally like head in the clouds and like dreamer and not at all down to earth. So I would never describe myself as down to earth, but somebody who didn't know me and just
0: met me probably would. And your sun sign is... It's actually Sagittarius. <laughs> Sagittarius. Huh? That's funny. Yeah, I'm going to look into it. My sun sign is a Virgo and which has always been interesting to me, but I mean like like I said I don't know enough about it, but I've honestly in the last year, I don't know what it is. I guess it's just through social media and like different podcasts I listen to, I've really started tuning into these types of like discussions and I'm I'm very curious about it now. So in relation to that, like something I hear a lot about is the Saturn return, especially in a female's life. So from the little that I know about it, it's usually happens around the age of like 27, I think. And it has to do with a certain, like, I guess, Saturn coming around again, the earth, like, listen to me talk. I have no idea. (laughs) No, you're doing a great job. (laughs) But I know... I know it has a lot to do with like self-reflection and it can bring on a lot of change for females. So I'd love you to just like dive into that and like educate us on it.
1: Oh gosh, I would love to. Saturn return is one of my favorite topics. Saturn in general is one of my favorite topics. So Saturn is the last planet visible to the naked eye. So for a long time, we didn't know there were any planets past Saturn. So ancient civilizations even before religion existed, had a really prominent idea about Saturn in their rituals for fertility and basically all kinds of things. I mean, Saturn's symbol is kind of like the Christian cross, but with a tail. So, you know, this existed before religion. So Saturn is like to me, just like this huge influence on on civilizations going back tens of thousands of years. But Saturn takes 30 years to make a full orbit. So it will be 30, well, roughly 30 years before Saturn reaches the exact same degree it was in the sky when you were born. And that is your Saturn return? You have sort of a window of time though, because Saturn moves so slowly, you have about a four degree orb. So let's say you were born with Saturn at eight degrees of Capricorn. Well, you have four degrees on either side of that where Saturn can transit and it's still really affecting you, which translates to about, you know, one to three years. So <laughs> most people's Saturn returns do start around 27 and around 30, but I've seen some people whose Saturn return was less than a year. And Saturn has sort of this rap for being the tough taskmaster of the zodiac. So, you know, whether you impart a masculine or a feminine energy to Saturn and really according to ancient civilizations, it, it actually has more of a feminine energy. So it would sort of be like the grandmother who's like giving you, you know, the tough advice that she's learned through her experience that you don't want to hear and you're not going to listen to it and you're going to find out the hard way. And that that is the essence of your Saturn return. You go into it as this 20 something year old who, you know, has been told that the world is a certain way or whatever, and you're going to find out for yourself. And you're just given these obstacles that you have to grow and evolve through to become, you know, the next version, I guess, of yourself. And it happens every, you know, 30 or so years. So you have a midlife crisis, which is also a Saturn return. And you really come out of it a completely different person than you were before because you go up against things that you've never been up against before and it's meant to to alter who you are as a person. So much to look forward to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you are currently in your Saturn return, like how would you know it? Like How would you be able to differentiate it between you know, just maybe a hard few months compared to something that's like so change-focused like the Saturn return?
1: You really don't realize it until, you know, in in retrospect. I mean, there are calculators you can just Google, you know, find out what your Saturn return is and it'll tell you it starts at this date and it ends at this date. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't know that until after mine. But when I looked at it, it started... When I started grad school, which was absolutely the worst and most challenging experience of my life I grew a lot from it But it ended the month that I had ended my first major treatment program for all of this mystery illness where I actually felt like for the first time in a decade like I I was doing well and I had You know figured it out and was quote-unquote cured so my Saturn return was just full of, you know, hard lessons and disappointment, but when i look back to who i was before that i was like oh my god i'm an idiot. like i was i was such an idiot back then and now i all i know is that there's so much i don't know. whereas before you think you know a lot and a lot of people go into their Saturn return saying stuff like oh well i had a really, you know, rough past couple of years, can't be worse than that and it's like that's the thing like you, Saturn return is going to change that perspective. You're going to learn after that, that it can always get worse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So knowing that, like, is there anything we can do to kind of help us through it or not necessarily end it sooner? Cause obviously you can't really do that, but just kind of like healing mechanisms to help us get through that day-to-day struggle that a lot of people actually tend to go through.
1: I would say just knowing that it's going to pass, you know, like just knowing that, that that's not going to be your life forever. You know, like for me, like I really had this belief that I was not going to be chronically ill forever. And, you know, before I knew it, it was over. And I, really, that's probably the best advice I have, you know, because once you once you can kind of understand that it's something – that is temporary and necessary for your evolution, you can go with the flow a little bit more. And honestly, that's a big part of what the Saturn return I think is supposed to teach you, you know, to go with the flow and to to not, you know, not get too bent out of shape because everything is divine
0: timing and everything serves a purpose. Right. So does it look any different between males and females? Like, does it appear differently or do males and females react differently to it? Or is it like pretty much similar situation across the board?
1: You know, I would say everybody's Saturn return is so unique that it would be hard for me to, to kind of break it into gender. But I will also say that I don't really have many male clients. So personally, I don't have a lot to compare.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I, I feel like it's a very female dominated area currently.
1: Right. But, but <laughs> I just tend to think that like that's life.
0: Like for us,
1: we're like, what's the meaning?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Always looking for something more, something deeper. <laughs> yeah. So I would love you to get into esoteric herbalism and kind of what that is and how that ties into all of this.
1: Oh, yeah. So when I started my first treatment program for my chronic illnesses at this doctor's office down in Florida that just so happened to fall into my lap at the exact right time, even though it all felt like horribly misfortunate, it all worked out for a reason. When I first started my first treatment plan there, I was muscle tested for, you know, various things and I also had about $3,000 worth of lab work done, you know, as well, but the muscle testing was used to confirm things that lab work can't really tell us. So, one of the findings of the muscle testing that really was, you know, difficult to confirm through any other means was that I had chronic reactivated Epstein-Barr virus. So, I was Muscle tested to these herbs for EBV, and I did, I think it was 17 or 18 days on, then that same period off, and then the same period on. So it was two rounds with a break in between, and it was so game changing for me. I was doing all these other things to activate PGC1 alpha, like intravenous ozone therapy and infrared steam sauna with ozone but really those herbs had such a big impact on me. I had no idea that you could have chronic reactivated Epstein-Barr virus and I had no idea that I had it. And it, it was just, it was so crazy to me that doing just this little like herbal protocol could have such an impact. So I, later on when I started my web-based private practice, I thought about that. And I was like, you know, I have a lot of self healers that probably do have these like latent, chronic, viral, bacterial, fungal, parasitic infections. And, you know, I don't have like, I don't have a good way to really approach that, you know? And I was like, well, how did I approach it on my healing journey? Okay. It was those herbs. So I realized I'm a clinical practitioner now. I can probably find those herbs and prescribe them to my clients. <laughs> it was just like this light bulb moment, like, oh my gosh. So I, I Googled it, Monastery of Herbs, and sure enough, you you know, if you are a, a licensed practitioner, you can use this. So I got in touch with the guy, and turns out it was so much more Than just some herbal protocol that you do, you know, 17 days on, 17 days off, or whatever. It's actually, even though a lot of these herbs that are in the various blends have, you know, antibacterial or antiviral properties, they're really intended to work on a bioenergetic level, not just like a go in and kill everything kind of, you know, mechanism like an antibiotic or something like that would be. And The guy, it's a, a one man operation. It's an actual monastery. He's been in business for like 60 years (laughs) and it's, it's just him and like two part-time employees. They pray over these herbs all day, every day until you order, you know, one, one blend or whatever, and they go and they make the tinctures and the little capsules and they ship it out the same day. And they even have these like little prayers that you're supposed to say when you take the herbs. And I didn't know any of that when I took them and they still worked, but (laughs) you know, it, it was really interesting to me that there was this whole backstory to it. And that you know maybe they were working for a completely different reason than what i assumed and i have been using them in my clinical practice and it is like by far the biggest game changer for my clients it's like the thing that you notice improvement from right away you know you usually have a 3 day period where you feel kind of like trash you know you feel pretty detoxy and it takes 3 days to actually change the vibration of your immune system to meet the vibration that's required to fight whatever bacteria or virus the herbs were designed for. So you continue to take it, you know, past the three days because you're kind of, you know, trying to give your body this memory of this frequency. But that's, that's really the intention behind it is that you're you're changing the frequency of your immune system to the frequency that's required to take care of these sort of latent infections.
0: That's amazing. I love herbal medicine. I've used it for quite a few different things. Actually, I've used it for candida overgrowth, parasites. I've used it to prevent malaria when traveling. All of it has worked. And I am such a natural health advocate myself and really, really believe in it. And it's so interesting to hear you talk about the almost like spiritual side added into herbalism. And that's something I've never heard before or seen before. And I'm very curious about it. So what do you see with your clients that comes up again, like these trends that we're talking about, where you recommend these herbs and how effectively do they work? And if you could just kind of dive into a bit of your experience with your clients.
1: Sure. We do muscle testing. So I teach my clients self muscle testing and I do distance muscle testing. And this, this is where, you know, kind of the, the woo woo stuff comes in if, if esoteric herbalism isn't, you know, woo woo enough. But we don't always have a quantitative. Diagnostic measure for things. And that's a problem. You know, we we can guess, but we can do one better than guessing, which is muscle testing. (laughs) So, you know, muscle testing is subjective, it's not meant for diagnostic purposes. And it should only be one piece of evidence that you use in making any health decision. So we look at symptoms. And we do muscle testing and then we can kind of, you know, we can take a leap of faith, which is slightly better than a complete guess in the dark and say that, you know, you do have these symptoms, you did muscle test well to this herbal blend for, you know, whatever. So, well, you know, maybe you should take it. We'll, we'll see what happens. Nothing bad, you know, is, is going to happen necessarily because it's not like taking something like an antibiotic or, you know, an antiviral, there's not really that sort of side effect from it. You're not, you know, you're not going in and tearing anything down. So we'll do the distance muscle testing, which is where they have to give the universe permission for me to muscle test for them through my body. So I will self muscle test, but I'm asking for an answer for them basically And I'll write down what I get. All of my my samples are in little vials and they're numbered and I didn't even number them. So someone else numbered them. So for the most part, it's double blinded. I will take the ones that I got a yes to and some things that I got a no to. And then I'll take some other alternatives that could treat those same things. So let's say I got a yes to a an esoteric blend that would treat a microscopic parasite so i'll include that in this package to my self healer that i mail them and i'll also include a totally different treatment for a microscopic parasite so theoretically if they have a microscopic parasite they would test yes to both things and then we can decide you know which which is the best route for them so i'll mail them these numbered you know, samples, and then they'll self muscle test. And then we'll kind of compare what results we get. And we'll figure out what the body wants to address first, because you could get a yes to, you know, 10 different things, but you're not going to get a yes to taking all 10 things at once. You know, your your body is sort of like Jenga in a sense. You don't want to just pull out a random block and you don't want to pull out all the blocks at once you want to pull out the block that needs to come out first so that the whole system doesn't crash so that's kind of the process we go through then once we determined what they would probably benefit from taking and you know what they should try first we'll order the herbs and they'll take it they go through a little detox period then on like day 4 they feel amazing and they do the break, and then they take the second round and that should be you know all that it takes unless they go through a period of severe physiological or psychological stress, and the immune system sort of you know lowers its frequency. then you may have to do another round, but you should be able to go a year or two at the very least without having to do you know another round and What happens a lot of times after you do the first round is that we can go back and re-muscle test for all of the things they got a yes to before they did any herbs, and they won't get a yes to all of those things. you know, they might not get a yes to any of them at this point, because the immune system is elevated to a point where it can it can, you know, I don't want to say fight but it can balance, you know, it can bring your body back into harmony. So it, it kind of has this like crossover effect into to other areas of your, you know, the ecosystem of your body.
0: That is like so thorough. I love that. And it makes sense of why it's working because you are just helping from so many different levels. And you're also looking at the root cause of what's going on. You're not just, you know, kind of taking the symptoms and the signs and then trying to heal that with herbs, right? You're really getting to the nitty gritty of what's going on in your client's health and in their bodies. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been amazing to talk to you and go like super, super woo-woo with you. Um, Where can the listeners find you and connect with you? And if they want to book online with you, where do they do that? Well,
1: Instagram is the social media platform that I am the most active on. And most people find me that way on Instagram I'm experimental underscore Betty. You know people always feel free to DM me and I always respond to my DM so that is a really great way to get in contact with me and get kind of you know familiar with my style but to book like a free 15 minute discovery call or an esoteric herbalism consult or a astrology reading you can actually go to epinutritionist.com so it's like epi as in epigenetics and then nutritionist all one word and you'll go up to the the bar at the right hand corner and you can click book online and then you can choose you know whatever you want to do. Um, most people will you book an astrology reading, and then they'll book a different astrology reading, and then they'll enroll in the self-healer program. So there's a, a variety of things that people can do to kind of dip their toe in and see you know, what it's like to work with me before just committing
0: to to like a big thing. That's great. That's a great way to get started. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really hope the listeners connect with you, and it's just been such a great time to chat, and I've learned so much from you. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you for having me. I I love talking about this stuff. Thanks so much for listening. I
0: love learning new information about health and wellness and anything woo-woo. I feel like I just always have so much to learn from the guests that I bring on. And I hope you guys learn a lot as well. So thanks for listening and tune in next week for another episode.